You are about to listen to a special episode of Status Go. Special because it was recorded live in front of an audience of CIOs and senior IT leaders. I will be interviewing Jason Schaefer of AWS. As you will hear, we talk a lot about Amazon Connect and its features and functionalities. We chose this not as a product pitch, but rather as a great example of Amazon Web Services' customer-obsessed culture. The way they developed the Amazon Connect product, as well as the features it provides, can serve as a model for the working backwards from the customer idea that is the real key to innovation. Before we dive in, I'd like to add, we would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this live episode? Should we do more of them in the future? Send us a note or comment on social media. With that, here's the conversation. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. Welcome to Status Go Live. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. One of the trends that we have seen emerge in the last few years is the increased focus on the customer experience, or CX. Whether your company is B2C or B2B, we are recognizing the importance of engaging with our customers. Many of our technology partners have departments focused on customer success, customer engagement. They have advisory boards to foster that conversation, and they engage with us on social media platforms. Our guest today is with arguably one of the most customer-centric companies on the planet, Amazon. In fact, it is their vision statement Our vision is to be the Earth's most customer-centric company, to build a place where people can come to find and discover anything they might want to buy online. Our guest today is Jason Schaefer. Schaefer is in customer engagement, business development for AWS. Now, before you freak out on the business development part of his title, let me assure you, Jason is one of us. He started his career as a systems engineer, Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks, I appreciate you having me. Jason, before we dive into customer experience and customer engagement, share with our listeners, our audience, a little bit about your journey from systems engineer to your role with AWS. Sure, yeah. So uh, like I would say, like most people here, we're all technologists, right? We may take on different roles and functions as technologists. When I started as one, I was a very curious person. I wanted to know about the how. How is everything done? Saw this transaction of cool things happening around me. And then I was like, okay, I need to figure out everything I can about this because otherwise I'm not going to be able to do anything. So I worked on the how for a very long time. I worked at uh, Cisco Systems for 11 years. Uh, and so I've been at AWS for about four now. And I've spent about five years in, in professional services before then. So uh, definitely been the person at the late night, switching out your networking gear on a Saturday on a maintenance window, uh, all the way to helping build a Fortune 5, Fortune 1 type uh, collaboration systems uh, as an engineer. And then recently, as you are mentioning, to switch to the dark side of business development. <laughs> well, and the other thing that I should mention, 
you might realize that Jason's last name is Schaefer, as is Megan Schaefer, the executive producer of Status Go. Now, it, seriously, it is only a coincidence that Jason is here tonight representing AWS. We reached out to AWS and they recommended Jason be the person to talk to us. Let's start at the beginning, okay? How do you define customer engagement and customer experience? So I'm gonna take a guess that everybody here has customers. Who, who, who has customers, right? So if you're not talking to them, someone else is. And then I, so at that sense, customer engagement is whenever you're gonna to have to do any type of transaction, amiable or, you know, if it's transacting a, something business-wise of a payment or some sort, you're gonna to have to engage them. So how do you do that? And that's where you start working backwards from, right? What is that experience that you want to deliver? Even some of my competitors like Apple, Steve Jobs is brilliant in saying that he worked from the customer experience backwards. And so that's actually what we do here. And this is, Connect is like the embodiment of that principle that we do with Amazon.com and that is work from our customers backwards. If there's anything that you get from tonight, that is what we do. We work backwards from understanding what an ex a customer experience will be, what an agent experience will be. But by the way, agents are the most costly part of your co contact center, right? Or where you're interacting with. It's gonna be seven out of the $10 you spend. And the supervisors and the people who run that, right? Those are the people who are gonna give you the metrics. It's gonna tell you how the business is running and operating. So all of those, you have all these pieces that, that fit into a puzzle. And that is your customer engagement. And whatever that strategy is, sometimes it's by accident and passive, and sometimes it's very active. If you look at large organizations, it is a very intended process, right? You know, and the question is, how can you leverage it? We have those same tools that we deliver to them. We, in a utility model, we can give them at the same relativity to anybody who's just starting out. So whatever your spectrum is, whether you're just beginning your journey of engaging your customers or formulating what that may be, or if you are very complex and you're very mature, we have different offerings at different ends of that spectrum to be able to help you. And hopefully that. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as Jason mentioned, one of the tools for customer engagement, customer experience is your contact center. So we're going to use one of Amazon's own tools. He mentioned it just a second ago, Amazon Connect as our storyline. But this is not a sales pitch for Amazon Connect. What we're digging into is how Amazon creates innovation working from the customer experience backwards. Now, if you do want to talk about Amazon Connect, I'm sure either Steven or Jason would be more than happy to talk to you about Amazon Connect tonight. What we're doing, we're going to cover three broad topics in our discussion tonight. We're gonna to talk about the consumption model and how that can revolutionize your contact center. We're gonna talk about machine learning in your contact center and leveraging multimodality in your customer experience. Now, as I mentioned, I've got some questions prepared, but this is really intended to be an open discussion. So as you have questions, don't hesitate to raise your hand and shout them out. Uh, if the mics don't pick them up, I'll be sure and repeat them for our, uh, what will soon be listeners on status quo. So are you guys ready to dig into this? Are you guys ready to dig into this? Yeah. <laughs> there you go, there you go, there you go. Well, let's start 
with that consumption-based model. We're familiar with it from our systems and servers that we're running in the cloud, but maybe not so much when it relates to how do you use it to leverage and uh, accelerate your innovation. Fair. Um what, you know, and funny enough, even what we would talk about at the contact center level or customer engagement is still going to be the same value proposition for cloud, even whether it's, you know, compute network storage or whether you're talking to something as a software as a service. Um, the utility consumption model, what it offers you and allows you guys to have is the, uh, think of, let me go backwards. I, I once sold a contact center that it was probably a $10 million deal. Um, it took six months for the partner to first implement. Uh, it took another couple months for them to solidify what the experiences were gonna be. And it was about nine months they were up and running, right? So they're talking about a commitment to, an, uh, to the outcome before you even know what that outcome is, right? So you've already put 50% of that money down, right? For both the services and the hardware and everything that's gonna go into it. Um, so people have committed to these things before they even know the outcomes. So with utility model, right? So with a free tier, spend zero dollars with us. We can help formulate what those experiences look like. SAs will help you build these experiences. And then we can say, hey, is that the experience which you want to go for? And then you can invest, right? Now I can build my experience without commitment. I don't have to say, you don't have to come contract with me, right? You can come and do all those things, and now you can be able to have them before you can move forward. And so that's the first step. That's the innovation part, because you innovate and create something new that was not there before, and you're able to pivot. The pivot part, it comes in the iteration. So I create my experience 1.0, right? Now I want to create experience 1.1, right? So the iteration of what you'll be able to deliver is, is still micro in comparison, like you, there's no new crazy upgrades, there's no new, uh, you know, do I have to go buy and procure something new or uh, do I have to buy an extra feature? These things are, are you know, like for Amazon Connect, we bake those things inside of there into a single utility cost that allows you to have a, a predictable model that allows you to, to not have to worry about, you know, hey, do I need to add a few more uh, nuance language servers to be able to deliver these features, right? This is a checkbox. I just go, boom, oh, oh, I want that there too. So this, that, by that, so innovation, you're, you're able to innovate faster, right? Because as soon as, if you're in innovation, it's about failing fast. Everyone's gonna fail here. Let's, let's just go, how fast can you fail and how cheap can you fail? Those are the two questions. So we, with a utility model, we can produce that type of innovation. The iteration happens with us to continue to iterate on that. And then what happens in operation, right? We continue to go through the cost. In fact, what you were mentioning with the cost exercises, where now you, there's gonna be some fat in there, we can reduce it down. We both have our services as well as InterVision services that help bring this down. This is the only organization. Let me ask you this. How many people will come to you and ask, offer you a service that will help say, hey, help me reduce your costs? Anyone? We'll do it. So, and that's not the pitch part. That just comes in inclusive in it because I guarantee you, once you get hooked on this, it's one of those things, okay, now I can do some more. The way we look at it is we find customers will do more with us because we earn your trust then. And that's what we're after. We want to earn your trust so that you continue to build, innovate on us as we are those that were built into your process. So so one of the one of the cool things that I found in the story, both as we were talking earlier, Jason, and just what I know about Amazon and AWS and, is that Connect 
wasn't a product at all to start with. It was an internal tool. So talk about how Amazon is able to innovate internally to make itself better and then create products for the market. Because as, as IT professionals, we want to move to that revenue generating side of the continuum, right? That's one of our goals. Amazon does it. So yeah, tell us a the cost structure, that. the profit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in doing that, everything starts with you guys. It's working backwards. It's getting your feedback and how do I build something? Because guess what? You guys are the bosses at the end of the day. You pay the bill, right? So therefore, I have to work backwards from whatever you guys are really saying. So um, from us, when we work backwards, what we did is, uh, anybody remember the fire phone? I'm going to throw that bad one out, right? <laughs> Doesn't always work out. So let's just, but the guy who, who was on part of the fire phone, he was the general manager, is the general manager of Connect, right? So things don't, we pivot, you know, things don't always work out. And you're like, hey, he was going around asking everybody about phones, like all these enterprises. Let me talk to you about your phones. And they're like, and they're like well, you know, we really need contact centers, right? But even let's back up before then where that GM had that idea. So as anyone, everyone here hopefully ordered from us at some point in time, right? Thank you, appreciate that. Multiple shipments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> notifications. We'll talk about the modality in Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> so in that statement, um, we were technologists. We looked over the market during that time and we didn't like what we saw. We, we saw models where you had 20%, 25% maintenance. I have to build this out in two to three different places across the US just to be able to sort this market. Um, and so I had to find talent that was very esoteric or very niche. And so uh, it, it, we're like, no, we're web-based people. We like APIs, that's how we work. So therefore we went through and built a product and that's how we build all products that you, you get offered, right? We don't like what's out there. We feel like we can do it better. And so um, we did that. We took what we had off and we built it internally to serve you guys. And then we productized it afterwards once we felt we came to a core competency in the market. And so that's where you see us now is we're, we're helping try to deliver that same type of experience that we do internally for you guys. What questions do you guys have so far? Ryan. When you compare yourself to other contact center software, where do you feel like you're at like in the maturity level? So where do, we feel, where do I feel like we're in the maturity level? So there's obviously more older systems out there that have more check boxes than us. And, and there's no way to deny that. We, we started March 28th, 2017, right? What I would tell you is that the difference is how we solve things. So for instance, um, if I don't always have something inside of my offering and the way the AWS system works, like for instance, uh, I don't have voicemail inside of my product particularly, right? It, what we do is we built in Kinesis streams, we flows out to a transcribe, it, it shoots out a voicemail and an email, all inside. So we, so we had it built. And it's using other components of AWS. So the difference between what we can deliver, say, through some of our competitors, they are locked into you know anything, uh, just the offerings that they may have in the sense of that can be thrown on an x86. For us, I have machine learning with a checkbox, and I guarantee you none of my competitors have that, right? Because and you can't deploy that within a fraction of a second. So that is where I see the, like, it's not an apples to apples comparison on maturity. We're not focused on everything that you used to be able to do as a supervisor, because we'll never be able to build all that stuff. What we're looking for is the modernization of how you manage your contact center. And I don't even know how people did it without machine learning. Like that's driving a car with your windows painted out. 
I mean, like that just that can't be a good recipe. Um, because think of like quality assurance. I transcribe and I give sentiment analysis to everything, every interaction. So if I can do that, I can actually quantify what my average sentiment interaction is for that month, right? I can go back and do QA instead of listening to a call. I read the transcript. I can see the and see the sentiment on the left hand side of it, and I actually give faster. Uh, you know, feedback to it. So is it checked? Like, no, it's not going to be in some places. We don't have, you know, some niche feature that someone wants. Um, but that's because we're giving that up because someone else is asking for some other feature like machine learning related. So that's, but that's a fantastic question because we get asked that quite often. So that's good. Other questions? All right, well, let's keep moving ahead. You mentioned it, machine learning. Let's yeah. talk about machine learning as part of the contact center. And to start with, using uh, machine learning or natural language processing mm -hmm. to handle some of the traffic. Yeah, so deflection. So first, stating that the, the main thing in contact centers, humans are the most expensive part of anything. I'm sure as leaders, you know that your fully burdened, uh, fully loaded employee is, is definitely the most costly. So... In a contact center, then the next thing you want to do is you want bots doing things that humans can do with transactions. So everyone deal with Alexa at some point, or maybe turned it off in their house as I was talking. <laughs> yeah, so we've taken that same technology that, again, we, we have a core competency somewhere else in the market. We transition that into, say, like an enterprise play here. And now we're putting that same type of technology inside of our contact center. So if you can do a password reset with Alexa versus doing it with a human, what does that save your business, right? So now times that by 100 in a day or whatever size your, your flow of stuff is. So these are the types of things that we can use for, for that type of how do we offload the transactional to scale the human, right? That's really at the end of the day. And we interviewed, um, gosh, Megan, was it Ashwin Bilal uh, that we interviewed on one of the episodes of Status Go that... Uh, they rank their chatbot uh, in customer satisfaction, just like they do all of their agents. And their chatbot is like one of the top rated agents. And people know they're interacting with a chatbot, but it solves their problem with a AI and machine learning. So I, I think that's a, that's a great testament. Because it's working backwards again from the people that want to deal with that. Like if they're customers, if they want to interact, like for me and my, my demographic, I want to deal with, get my answer quickly. Humans aren't always the quickest. They can do the most complex, they're most effective, they're not always the most efficient. That's the, the difference between yeah. the two. Well, and, and speaking of efficiency, you can use the the AI and the machine learning engines to work with the agents. How does how does that help them solve that problem? Sure, it's next best action, right? So, um, it, you know, if anyone's had been asked, especially who's been had done home IT, right? You know, like everyone here is going to like, so like, what's the next best thing? You know, when someone says, hey, I can't connect to Wi-Fi. You know, you have a certain routine you go through. Well, did you turn it off? Did you turn it back on? Right? <laughs> right? Like all these different things. So what we can start doing to help the agent, again, agent being the most expensive part of your contact center, is we want to give them and offer them stuff immediately. Like if they password reset, let me give them the wiki link to the password reset. That's five to 10 seconds that they're, they're going to be sifting around for stuff. Again, machine learning offload of things that we can do as humans, right? I, searching is transactional today. 
So those are how we can help you guys reduce the cost and give faster service and satisfaction to your customers. Do you find that when the agents are following the instructions of the machine learning, right? They're being prompted to do this. Mm -hmm. Do they learn? I mean, are they growing as agents because they, the, the, the machine recommended their next action and then the next time they just know to do that? Uh, well, it's not always about knowing to do it. It's about being presented the information. It, it, it's like just-in-time supply chain, right, if you guys are dealing with something like that. It's about like why, you know, I even may know where the link is, but I used to have to go to, you know, hit command T, start typing the link, and it may autofill in. And this has just stopped that because you want a single pane of glass where you're not switching for, for things. Just like for us, we embed ourselves inside of other products, mm -hmm. uh, Zendesk, Salesforce, ServiceNow, custom ones. We do, we do tons of custom stuff. And that is because the agent, the more they have to switch panes of glass, the longer it takes them to be able to resolve the call or whatever the interaction, it could be web chat as well. You know, there's multiple modalities there. As, as an example of, of maybe not learning from the machine, I, I was having a problem uh, a, a couple of weeks ago in my own house, um, have a little bit of home automation and my television wouldn't respond to my remote anymore. It wouldn't volume up, volume down. I have a Sonos system connected to it, all that kind of stuff. And it's like really frustrating because I think my grandson must have, must have touched a button and changed something, right? So I finally got to uh, my search engine and started looking for, well, how do I fix this thing? Power it off, power it back on. <laughs> the basics, the basics of IT support. You turn your television off, wait 15 minutes and turn it back on again and I'll be darned, that thing worked like a champ all over again. So, so definitely uh, the best recommendation. You know, old dogs may not always learn new tricks, but I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that in the future. So machine learning can help us in the contact center in uh, another way, right? We are throwing off a lot of data out of the contact center. How does machine learning help us there? Uh, so say that one more time, machine learning help in, in a lot of the data? Yeah, the data that we're throwing off on the content. You mentioned sentiment analysis uh, earlier. Yeah, what yeah. are some of the other areas that, that uh, you're seeing uh, machine learning being used in the context of? Uh, transcription, translation, and uh, natural language to understand. Uh, sentiment is in there uh, uh, as well, too, right? So we have services for all of these that we, we interact in. We actually obfuscate them for you for the contact center portion. We actually just siphon those right in so we're not you don't have to manage them or understand them. Um, other types of big information that we're looking at is usually... Um, it's usually trends across the... Uh, so like theme detection... For instance, if you have a contact center that is all of a sudden taking certain types of, why did we just have 200 hits on, I'm gonna use it again, password reset, you know, um, because if you have a theme there, maybe there's something else you should be doing in your business elsewhere, right? This is a, an indicator, you're keeping a pulse on the business, and like all of a sudden, like may, maybe there's, hey, orders are failing or whatever that it is, that machine learning, because if you had to have people listening to all of those things, Right? There's no way you could bubble that information up and make an action, right? But if you can have the computers and the bots doing it, right? And they can bring those things to make something better for your business. Much quicker, much faster. Definitely. Right? Because fact, most of the time, yeah, you're listening to those calls days, weeks after the fact. That's a little too late to 
understand those trends. Yeah, when someone says, I want to talk to a manager three times, or maybe they even just say it once or type it, right? Something of that nature. Wouldn't I, as a supervisor, at least want a visual cue to understand what's happening? Because again, this is like a car being painted, the windows out. If you don't have, you don't have tools to see what's going on, you know, um, probably the best is IVR flying, uh, you know, like we have instrument only flying in the sky. Mm -hmm. You have to rely on your instruments to guide you. And these, we give you more instruments with machine learning to be able to see those insights, right? And so without them, you know, you don't know if you, what your altitude is, right? Is this a good day? Is it a bad day, right? These are those types of things we can help you answer. What are you guys seeing in terms of uh, your call centers or your service desks in IT? Are you leveraging machine learning capabilities in that area yet? Are you starting to see that in your own businesses? Kevin. Uh, yeah, we just went with a competitor uh, for a new cloud-based contact center using that. And they have a lot of the same features. So... Um, we're hoping to start using machine learning around sentiment analysis like you just described. So um, that would be probably our first foray into it. But yeah. we went from a classic PBX to... I'm going I'm to pick on Mr. Dotson over here because you guys run a pretty big call center uh, for United Health. What, what are you guys... Are you seeing a move in that direction yet? Thinking about it, where are you in that? Yeah, so... We're, we're, we're looking at it from both the service and the sales. Mm -hmm. But the most interesting thing that we're doing on the sales side right now is using machine learning to, the theory is that through machine learning and putting a, uh, what they call the commerce map in the model, that we can raise the performance of our lowest salespeople to those that, that perform at the top. Uh, and that's worth perhaps uh, half a million dollars per sales agent per month. Yeah. That's the theory. Mm -hmm. It hasn't proven that yet, but, but it's an interesting concept. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, on, the, on the service side, it's more at this point sentiment analysis. Mm -hmm. But, but the, you know, prompting in real time, transcribing the audio in the digital in real time, providing prompts to the salespeople, offer them this, don't offer them that, it's going well beyond the I love that use case of using it in sales rather than customer support because the experience a lot of times starts there. And we do a lot of ramping up for the annual enrollment periods. You can imagine how rookies perform. And we put a lot into onboarding them. So. I actually think we're going to get more benefit out of the onboarding and get them confident in that peak period than we're going to get out of the ongoing. Because then that clearly lowers your churn, right? Yeah. Agent churn is a big cost to business because that takes you months to ramp that person. Yeah. And, and so trying to hire somebody right now. Yeah, exactly. So that's important. And people don't probably pay enough attention to the agent experience. Yeah. That's why it's one of the three experiences you need to work on. Because if, if they're churning, you're, you're, uh, that's costing you. Anybody here using bots in their service desk at all? I, meant, I mentioned Ashwin a minute ago, but anybody doing that yet? Are you thinking about it? Yeah, a lot of you thinking about it. Because um, I, I, I think that's a, uh, for, for an IT department, what a great way to, to help offload some of that work from your agents 
your, your service desk agents, have the bot do some of that. Um, so I, I think that's a great trend. Um, before we pivot to our, our third topic, uh, our third dimension of this, any other questions or comments about uh, machine learning, AI in your contact center? I have one. Uh, in the chat box or the machine learning against it, uh, what's the top reasons you're finding that somebody asks, I need a human? What are the top reasons someone's asking a human? Machine learning would only tell me that if I had that happen enough times and I had a data set to be able to see the patterns emerge. What I can do is start, you know, when someone utters those things, I can make immediate response and reaction. So if someone says, hey, I want a manager, I can count how many times they say it or all that experience. But there's, I don't know if there's a particular way that we can... Uh, reduce that down until we like it'd have to be your data, your contact center, and we'd have to understand that a little bit better. Yeah, I hear you there, but usually there's a breadcrumb that le leads to that. They're, they're asking about five or six different questions and mm -hmm. don't get them the answer. So then it's like, then they start asking for that human. Uh, does that lead to a particular gap in what's built around the uh, chat bot? Yeah, so every night at 12 o'clock, uh, 12 a.m. with our bots, right, it's part of the service, there's a thing called missed utterances. Um, and it's posted, and it's all about, because bots need training. Everyone thinks that bots are magical, like Alexa just, like, happened. Like, that, that was definitely, that's, a, like, a billion-dollar happening type thing. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that actual number is. I'm just making that up. But, like, literally, that's there's a lot of people behind that. And so when you want those types of uh, responses, you have to kind of, like, I don't know, uh, build them and foster them and uh, learn from them. So again, the 12 o'clock thing, we tell you everything we missed. So people say things funny ways, right? We're, we're humans. We say, you say, hey, I want a box of chocolates or, and then someone's going to say, ask for a box of chocolates in an entirely different way you never thought of. And so we will tell you when that happens. And then we'll tell you, do you want to include that or do you not want to include that, right? So that we can start getting better hits. So you have to train Training, just part of a machine, any machine learning model that you guys use anywhere, is always has to be retrained, retrained, retrained. And so uh, bots are no different, and they have to learn because humans are quirky. So, but uh, there's, it's a, I would say that the answer truly is more of a process of what you're looking for than a specific one single answer that I could, I could give. So, but happy to dig into that deeper maybe afterwards. Well, you mentioned it. Uh, you mentioned Alexa as part of the process. So let's talk about multimodality and how you can bring that to your customer experience. Uh, and what are the different pieces that get put together for that? Yeah, so lots of pieces and puzzles that you, get to, you can put together. So this is really like, uh, who played with Legos as a kid? Am I like, yeah, okay, good, I don't feel alone. Still do, that, that's great. Um, I'm envious. The, uh, you know, really when you work backwards from the experience that you want to deliver as, as a leader for whatever the, the, you know, your organization you're trying to uh, deliver that experience from, you want to, you know, like, what does that look like? Uh, I, you know, that could be different. Some people want to, if your demographic may not skew towards having IoT devices like Alexa, mm -hmm. right? Maybe it does. So in that sense, you want to think of all the things in your tool belt that one may have. So web pages, we can do things that are just raw web form. You know, chats, we can do SMS, we can do IoT devices, Alexa in your car, we can build Alexa into web pages. 
Um, we can call into things, right? So each one of those are a channel that you can be able to reach out. One of the great things about Alexa is that one's free. I'm just saying, like, we don't charge for that. That's one of those things that you can actually have face, you know, t interaction with your customer, and all you have to pay is for the development dollars that, of the experience you're delivering. So uh, in, that in that being said, though, you, you need to find out what modalities for the customer that you're working backwards from what, you know, if you're working with a millennial, that's going to be different if you're working with the greatest generation that for, right? That's, so think backwards from your customer and what it takes for them to be, have a successful interaction with you. And those are the things you should employ. And I'd say being part of the boomer generation, we also like that human. That, that may be part of your, part of your question, Chris, is, is, uh, no, I don't want to use the chat bot. I want to talk to somebody, right? Uh, because I'm I'm a little old school there, but but I think you 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 nailed it when you said you have these multiple ways of communicating with your clients, with your customers, because they have multiple preferences, and it may also depend on what problem they're trying to solve, what mode they try to solve it in, right? Totally. I mean, if I'm solving certain things, I'm going to go to the web. If I'm going another thing. I'm going to go talk to somebody. So the biggest thing is empathizing with them and getting, putting yourself in your spot. I mean, you probably have a good idea what they're feeling if they're trying frustrated or if they're elated, you know, like how they, how are you going to manage that? And so again, we give you tools. There's, other, there's lots of tools on the market. Whatever you end up try, deciding to use is your tools. Think about it holistically. You know, uh, I, I try to shoot for 80%. You're not going to make everyone happy, right? Just like at the house, no one's going to always be happy. So do your best. Uh, but uh, there's there's lots of, you know, different tools for different folks. Yeah. I, I think one of the funny stories about uh, using a, a virtual assistant like an Alexa or something like that. Again, it's a previous episode of Status Go, so go listen. Uh, but we had a CIO on from the West Coast that had just recently redesigned his office. And so they put Alexa in each one of the conference rooms. And you could ask Alexa, hey, can you run this report for me? Can you turn on the video board, all these different kinds of commands that you can do in there. Well, then all of a sudden their service desk started seeing this rise in tickets that Alexa wasn't responding. So they went and checked and it was all the people that had unplugged Alexa because they didn't want her listening uh, to their meeting. So <laughs> Sure, yeah, yeah. So security is job zero at Amazon. Operational excellence is job one. So if you're a computer person, you know where zero starts versus one. So in that sense, what we do is we, I was mentioning earlier today that we have a circular buffer that's on Alexa, right? That is, uh, if you do not state the keyword, right? Until that circle ring goes, we don't send anything off to be analyzed. So we have a model that's, that, that we understand the, how people say, imagine there's a lot of people say Alexa a different way from someone who's French, right? Or Creole versus someone who's Southern versus someone from New York, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of different ways. But we have that on there. It's able to figure out when someone says that. And it's not always perfect. You see, sometimes I guarantee you walk to the house. Like, why is that spinning a circle? Um, we get better over time. But uh, one of the things for enterprises, too, is we can actually go through and remove all the things that you say in there. Each night, you can actually go through. So we've been working over the last four years uh, to get Alexa more prepared for the enterprise. Right? So uh, I remember when we were putting on WPA2 certs, you know, when you don't need that when, you, when you're at the home. But you do if you're deploying a thousand of them across your enterprise or a ten thousand of them, right? So um, there is ways now that there weren't before, and we're getting better. So with your help, we can continue to to hone it in. Well, Jason, I have no doubt 
since our executive producer lives in your same household, you have listened to Status Go probably more than once. Actually, I could usually hit to hear it live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know that we always like to wrap up with a strong call to action for our listeners. So what's one thing that this audience or later our listeners can do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation today? Start conceptualizing your working backwards scenario. If you were to build a building today, right? I don't know if anyone's gone through a building project. What's the first thing that's done? You build the blueprints, go to the architect. Before you even dug grounds, you sample, you understand, you, you've taken surveys, all those things work backwards. Whatever it is, whether you use Amazon or whatever solution to create your customer experience, right? Imagine it first, empathize with them, and then and put that blueprint together, then start building. Everybody, a lot of times, wants to go right to building. And it's so tough, but put pen to paper. Write it out. If you were an Amazonian, I would write it as a press release, right? So the first thing I do is I write a one-page document for the day that I'm going to release whatever it is I'm going to release. So write it out. Get other people to buy in on it so they know that it's worthwhile too, so they can now become your confederate to, to make sure that that happens and gets done, right? You got Because anytime you're building this big of a experience, it's going to take a lot of people, you, realistically, you know, like from agents, supervisors, you need their buy-in. Like the agent experience, go talk to them. Like what are your frustrations? You know, what keeps you from doing more? They'll tell you. Right. You know, they're, they're very good at complaining <laughs> or they can be. So uh, but they're also good to help you guide in. So work backwards from the experience that you want to deliver. That that is the call to action. I love that. That, that. that applies in so many things that we get involved in on a daily basis. Work backwards from what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And that helps you plan the, the path forward. That's excellent. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this live version of Status Go. I'd like to thank Jason Schaefer for joining us for this conversation and providing us a peek at Amazon's innovation methodology. If you like the feel of this live conversation and audience interaction, let us know. If you'd like to learn more about the topics Jason and I discussed, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun. For Jason Schaefer, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.